spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life. So, so kind to me. And all the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. And all it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the ninety-nine. And I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it.
Hey, uh, good, uh, good afternoon, I guess, Technically Church. It's good to be with you. Welcome to the Mount Pleasant podcast for this week. Uh, it is uh, Friday afternoon here before Father's Day, uh, Friday afternoon of Father's Day weekend. We're recording the uh, podcast for this week. Uh, we just had some thunderstorms uh, move through, and it is a beautiful uh, sunny afternoon now. So uh, blessed to be with you this morning, church. If you're listening to this on Sunday or through the weekend, blessed to be with you. Uh, a couple things I want to just catch you up on. Uh, we're going to step away from our Gate Crasher series uh, for a week or so here, just, just to hit some other things before we come back and wrap that up. Uh, but moving forward, next Friday will be our last Friday recorded podcast for a little while. On the 5th of July, we're going to move over to a live stream. Uh, you'll be able to log in and uh, take in the service at Mount Pleasant at 1030 uh, in real time. Uh, and then also through that week, then you can go back and watch it. That'll all be available on our Facebook page. Now, <clears throat> you may be saying, Pastor Zach, I don't have Facebook. Well, here's the cool thing. Because it's our business page, if you will, the church's page, you can actually access that from any web browser. You don't need yourself to have a Facebook account. So you can go to uh, facebook.com backslash mtpleasantcog, and you'll be able to check out the, the Mount Pleasant Facebook. If you're not a Facebooker, I encourage you to go check that out now, uh, facebook.com backslash mtpleasantcog. Um, and you'll be able to catch up on a lot of things we've been doing. You'll be able to uh, get some links to some things, check out some pictures and some other things. But we are really excited about that uh, way to connect with you moving forward in our live stream. Um, this is not the end of the podcast, though. We, we have some thoughts on how to do some additional things in that moving forward. And so just keep your ear out. Just, just a little bit of some, some change here as we come out of this uh, corona season if you will and so uh just wanted to share that with you we've really appreciated you being a part of these podcasts and look forward to connecting with you in this space or similar spaces moving forward uh so let's pray uh, and then we'll jump into what we're going to look at this week gracious god we thank you so much for today we thank you lord for uh, this opportunity to gather together and to worship you and i thank you lord for um I'm speaking personally now here, Lord, the legacy of faith that I've been blessed with in my life, that I can look back and see generations prior to me who were passionate about loving Jesus and loving others, and as they did that, those others that they loved became passionate about loving Jesus and loving others, and, and those others that those people loved became passionate about loving Jesus and loving others, and, and those people just kept pouring into and pouring into and and I've been the beneficiary of that in my own personal life. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for that blessing here at Mount Pleasant that we can see generations and generations of people who have loved you uh, well and brought others alongside of them. And I want to pray, Father, for the current uh, generation, if you will, of Mount Pleasant folks, that we would be a people. And, and by that, Lord, I don't just mean those that attend our our place physically, but even those who are listening right now to this podcast, would we be a people who are about loving you and loving others in order to see them love you as well? We thank you for that, and we ask this all in your name. Amen. 
As I mentioned a minute ago, uh, today uh, is, uh, or this weekend is, is Father's Day weekend. And uh, so I don't want to say this is a Father's Day message. In fact, I've been trying to be a little less on the nose with those types of things. I think sometimes, uh, no, no offense meant to any of my clergy brothers or sisters, I think we preach whatever the Holy Spirit leads us to preach, but I think sometimes the temptation is to, to make it a Mother's Day message on Mother's Day and a Father's Day message on Father's Day and a freedom message on, on July 4th weekend. And not that there's anything wrong with that at all, but we want to make sure we're preaching what the Spirit wants, not what the calendar dictates. And so uh, this isn't necessarily a Father's Day message per se, but at some point I am going to speak uh, to the men who are listening to this, uh, whether they be fathers or not. Fathers uh, are important fellows, and uh, we're thankful for them. But when I think of something like Father's Day, or I think of parents in general, whether they be fathers or mothers, or even just th- these kind of people that we've been talking about through our Gate Crashers uh, series the last number of weeks, the idea of the church being people who themselves are passionate disciples and followers of Jesus who want to see others discipled, and become followers of Jesus. This idea of legacy, this idea of leadership comes to mind. This idea of somebody who at some point walks in front of you to show you where to go, who then as you catch up with them walks alongside of you to teach you how to walk where you're at. And then somebody who eventually kind of walks behind you and cheers you on as you move ahead of them. And this, this word came to mind, uh, the word heirloom. And that's the title of this week's sermon is heirloom. And the definition of an heirloom, a family heirloom or, or anything like that, is a valuable object that has, been, uh, has, belonged, has belonged for many generations to a family. Family heirloom, a valuable object that has belonged for many generations to a family. And, and so this item, this thing, has value. Whether that be monetary or sentimental or otherwise. Uh, And so this value is such that it then, this this thing is of enough value and of enough importance that it is then passed on from generation to generation. And so maybe for you, when I start talking about family heirlooms, you think of furniture or uh, you know, you have that, that one piece of furniture that sits in the corner of your kitchen. And, uh, you know, that, that came from your grandparents who got it from their grandparents and their great-grandparents. And maybe even somewhere down the line, a relative actually made this thing with their hands. Um, maybe it's a piece of jewelry. Uh, I have some friends who, who have quilts in their family that have been around for, for decades. Have, have, I mean, for hundreds of years have been passed down. Uh, I personally, uh, and it's interesting, right? So right now in my gun cabinet, I have two 22 rifles. Neither of them are exceedingly valuable. Neither of them are, I'll be honest, in like tremendous shape. They're, they're pretty old, but that doesn't always equate to expensive. And so uh, we're just so excited to be able to have this thing, right, that though it was belonged at one point to my, my grandfathers. Both my grandfathers owned these guns, and so there's value in that. Uh, the value isn't so much in the item itself or the quality of that item or, or uh, the, the price tag of the item. 
the value for me, the thing that makes it an heirloom and special, is who it belonged to. That's the special piece, right? And so an heirloom is something that was important enough, special enough to be passed on to this next generation. And so maybe that looks a little different for you. And this week, we are in Deuteronomy. And talking about this idea of heirloom, this idea of the thing that gets passed on. Uh, Moses is reminding the Israelite people, uh, particularly kind of like the generation that was in the wilderness that is now going to be heading as we head into the book of Joshua. Moses' life comes to an end. And in Joshua, we see the Israelites step into the, the promised land. He is, he is reminding them sort of about their, the, the goodness of God on their behalf. And uh, as I, you know, I, many of you have heard me talk about the idea that I use, you know, look at commentaries and do some studying as I'm getting ready for, for a sermon. And the commentary about Deuteronomy that I was looking at had such a great little uh, passage about Deuteronomy itself. And, um, and, and it says this, after a brief history lesson emphasizing God's great acts on behalf of his people, Moses reviewed the law, then he restated the covenant, God's contract with his people. The lessons are clear. Because of what God has done, Israel should have hope and follow him. Because of what he expects, they should listen and obey. Because of who he is, they should love him completely. Learning these lessons will prepare them to possess the promised land. As you hear the message of Deuteronomy, remember how God has expressed his kindness in your life and then commit yourself anew to trust, love, and obey him. I just thought that that summed up you know, kind of the base mentality of, of the book of Deuteronomy, but Deuteronomy, but also for us here this evening and, and, and for us this week, it really allows us to follow this progression that we hear Moses speak in these powerful words, um, some of which have, have some really powerful meaning in the Hebrew culture for us. So we're in Hebrews chapter, or uh, I'm sorry, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. And there we read this, Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live, as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. And then verse 4 and 5 is, is powerful words for us. So listen as you hear these words, church. Verse 4, uh, Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Thank God for his word for us and what it means to us how it can be powerful in our lives. 
And so there's this progression as we kind of think about the idea of legacy and we think about this idea of heirlooms and, and something important and valuable being passed down from generation to generation. Moses kind of starts by, by, you know, these command, this command I'm about to give you, these decrees, you know, he had given the Ten Commandments, some things like that. He's reminding them of the law, different things like that. That God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're going to go. You're going to go and possess the land that we've been, we've been heading towards for 40 years. You know, Moses... Moses is, is, is essentially stating to them that the Lord desires us to seek him in obedience and to then model that to those coming behind us. Before an heirloom can be passed down, it has to achieve some sort of value or importance to the current owner. I said a few moments ago about those 22s that I have, and, and they're nothing special at all. I cannot over, overstate that. Like they're, they're not in the best shape. Um, the one, the one is a little hinky, I'll be honest. You got to kind of watch it. I don't, I don't really shoot it too much. But if I didn't know who they belonged to and where they came from, they would just be old guns and that might be cool to look at and neat to have, but they really wouldn't have any value. The value of those items is because of, they were, my grandfathers held them in their hands. They did, they did work with them. One of them used it on the farm he lived on and grew up on. Like there's, there's, there's a story there. There's a value there. The importance, the importance belonged to the generation to whom that item originally belonged. Maybe for you it's, it's tools that you have that ancestors of yours or, 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 or generations prior to you used for a craft of some kind and now you do woodworking with those same tools uh, maybe for you, it's plants that have been passed down. You, you hear about heirloom tomatoes or, or whatever it is, the same. Your family's been growing the same uh, plants out of the same uh, seeds for quite a while. Uh, I've read a story as I was looking and kind of researching heirloom vegetables about a family that has a, a, an ivy plant that has been passed from generation to generation. There's been pieces of this ivy plant pulled off and planted and, and their great-great-grandmother brought it over with her. She sort of smuggled it over with her from Norway generations and generations ago. Maybe it's a recipe. But the reason it has value is because it started somewhere with somebody placing value on it and then impressing on the generations to come how important this thing is. Moses is reminding the people that these commands, all this stuff, it has value, it has benefit. He is reminding them that, listen, this is what God wants me to say to you. This is what he wants me to make sure you know and understand as you head into the promised land. Moses is essentially laying out a family heirloom. And he reminds them in verse 2 of Deuteronomy 6 so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord your God of your fathers had promised you. If, if you do these things, if you hold on to this heirloom, if you allow it to continue to be valuable and, and teach the next generation how valuable this thing is, hey, hold on to this. This is of value. Hold on to this. This is of benefit. 
You teach your children these things. You enjoy a long life, verse 2 tells us. Verse 3, it will go well with you. You will increase greatly. The land flowing of milk and honey. It's kind of crazy to think at this point Moses already knew he wouldn't be entering the promised land. But we know that parents, that hopefully, hopefully, I know this isn't true for everybody, Generally speaking, the generation before, I hope, desires better for the generation that is to follow. Parents want better for their children. Moses himself is not going to enter the promised land because of the failures of his generation. But he wants better for the generation to come. Don't forget these things. Pay attention to these things. Learn from my mistakes. We messed up. Do these things. The Lord has goodness for you. The Lord has goodness for you. Generations before want better for the generation coming after. The Lord desires us to seek him, to be obedient to him, and then to model that to those who are coming behind us. Moses then moves into this statement in, in, in uh, Deuteronomy 4 and 5, which is a really important uh, uh, sense in, in Hebrew. It's something known as the Shema, right? The Shema. And it's this prayer, it's this Hebrew confession of faith, if you will. And, and, and it's, it's this great statement, verses 4 and 5, Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. So Shema is really interesting. It's a, it's, a, it's a fascinating thing to look into. I encourage you to check it out if you're, if you're into researching these things and learning about stuff. Verse 4 starts with that word here, and, and the Hebrew word that appears there is Shema, here. But, but it, it can kind of take some different nuances to it, right? It can mean hear, hear, O Israel. It can mean listen, listen, O Israel, it can mean to focus on or pay attention to. Hey, pay attention to this Israel. Focus on this Israel. But the other, the other kind of nuance that I think is really interesting about the word Shema is that it can be used in a sense that, hey, listen to. In fact, in fact, church, listen to this. There, there isn't, uh, in this sense of Shema being listening, there's no separation of listening and then doing. Shema means the, that's all together. In other words, what I'm saying to you is I think so often, and, and I think we're seeing this in our culture right now, we're so tempted to just listen. We just want to listen so that we can respond. We, can, we want to listen so that we can respond and say our piece, right? We want to listen. We're not really listening to learn. We're not listening to grow. We're not really listening to, uh, to, 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 to act what we're listening for is for the other person to be done speaking so that I can now say my piece. But when we hear the word Shema in Hebrew, it's like the Lord is saying, okay, Israel, listen to this and then do it, right? I can't tell you the number of times that growing up, I would hear my dad ask me to do something, but I wouldn't do it. I would hear my dad ask me to go do this, I wouldn't do it. Or I'd think, you know, of a way, if I, man, if I would have just went and did whatever my dad asked me, 
Instead of putting all the energy I had into figuring out how to not do what my dad asked me, I would have been done with what he asked me and on to the next thing. But we, when we read here, Shema, listen. Listen, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. There's instruction there. There's a desire to pay attention to it. The Lord is one. That's a powerful statement because I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think sometimes we get this sense, especially, um, especially I think when we're new to Christianity, when we're new to our faith, or, or if we've had a false uh, impression of who the Lord is, we've been hurt by the church, we've been hurt by some false teaching, we've, we've latched onto or globbed onto a, a false truth in our own life, we get the sense that the Lord is some like sort of like this ambiguous like cosmic monster, right, that, that just is there to like wait for us to mess up and zap us with a lightning bolt or some, some nameless, faceless, nebulous, pantheistic presence, that's like, that's like a $3 sentence I just gave you. Like, this podcast is free, and I literally just used like $3 worth of words. Let me say that to you again. Some nameless, faceless, nebulous, pantheistic presence. That's some good stuff. But here we read in Deuteronomy 6. Man, church, hear this. And like, for a fact, I don't know if you can hear it on the podcast. Like, we have a thunderstorm coming through right now, and it's just like boom thunder. And the Lord is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He is not one of many gods. He is the God. He is not some just ambiguous thing that floats around out there in the cosmos. He is God. He is the being. He is the one. And some of you might be saying, well, how does that jive with the Trinity? Let me, let me do a quick word study with you because this is fascinating. I love how scripture comes together on stuff. So hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The, the Hebrew word that's there for one is the Hebrew word ichad, ichad. And that's very important because the Hebrew word that could be there for one is yahid. And here's why it's so important. Ichad is this sense of compound unity, compound unity, whereas Yahid is singularity. Ichad, compound unity. Yahid, singularity. And so when we hear that phrase in verse, six, or verse four, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Ichad. It's the same phrase that is used in Genesis 1.5. When it talks about the day, one day, Ichad, day, one day, being made up of morning and evening, these two things, these multiple pieces, compound unity, one day. Another spot in Genesis 2, 24, uh, it talks about the man and the woman, two become one flesh, echad flesh, these two parts become one. It's compound unity. We serve one God who is one Father, one Son, and one Holy Spirit, a sense of fullness, there is a sense of wholeness in verse 4. The fullness of God. He is one being. And then we are encouraged and commanded to then respond to the love that one being has for us with the fullness of our love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. The fullness of God is, is, it loves us. 
and ask that we would respond to that love in our fullness as well. God in his fullness loves us completely and desires us to do the same in return. Simplicity is this. God wants, you know, I, I, think, I think one of the other things we start to think sometimes we get caught up in is this, right? God wants all this stuff from us. He wants my money. He wants my time. He wants my effort, my will. He wants my submission. And the reality is this, church. Let me just hear you, let me just say this to you very simply and very straightforwardly. What God wants from you is your love. Now that sounds very, you know, hippy-dippy and stuff. But let me explain. Let me explain what I mean by that. If you and I follow the command that is laid out in Deuteronomy 6, 5, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, all that stuff I mentioned, if you and I are focused on loving the Lord with all we are, we don't have to worry about whether or not we're loving the Lord with our money because it's happening. It's part of who we are. We don't have to worry about if we're loving the Lord with our time because I love the Lord with everything in me. So that's happening. Here's the problem, though. We, we, we flip this around, and instead of making sure and focusing on loving the Lord, growing more like Jesus, loving the Lord, and knowing that as we move through sanctification and that process that takes place as we grow spiritually, all those things kind of come in line. Like, it's a process. It takes time. What happens on the other side of that is if we go, okay, I need to make sure I'm giving my money to the Lord, and then I have to do this for the Lord, and I have to submit to the Lord, and I have to do this to the Lord, and do this to the Lord, and do this to the Lord, and then that'll prove to him that I love him. When you do that, you end up with legalism. And some of you listening to this know a lot about that because you've come out of traditions or situations where it wasn't about you loving the Lord and the Lord loving you. It was about you being able to perform enough and perform well enough and do enough and follow the rules close enough that then the Lord would love you. When we love the Lord with everything, as we go through that process of sanctification, as we grow, man, all that stuff comes in line. All that stuff comes in line. Jesus, of course, enhances this statement in the New Testament, talking about the importance of not only loving the Lord, but loving others. He says that the second commandment is just as great, love others as yourself. And so, this moves from like this inward fullness of I love the Lord with everything in me to now I'm also loving those around me. So it's this like outward expression of this inward fullness. And, and I love how Moses instructs the people here. And, and I'll tell you, I am challenged by this. I'm convicted by this. These last couple of verses we're gonna look at as we wrap up six to nine today. The fullness, right? So the Lord loves us in his fullness. He asks us to love him back. And as we express that fullness, it comes out in everything we do. Hear this, right? So love the hero Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I, gave, that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. This is supposed to be such a big part of us that it's like in us and on us and around us all the time. Last week we talked about um, the difference between a house and a home in our gates, Gate Crasher series and how um, the Lord is building us into a, a, a building, a dwelling place, a holy temple. And we talked about how like, you can tell a lot by the person that lives in a home by what the outside of the home looks like, right? 
And so here we see Moses in these verses, man, push these on your children. Talk about them around the dinner table. Talk about them when, when you're sitting at home. Talk about them when you're walking down the road. Talk about them when you lie down at night. Talk about them when you stand up. He talks about this idea of like having them bound to your forehead and your hands. And, and if you know anything about uh, the Pharisees moving forward, uh, check, out, check out the whole deal with phylacteries. It's a very interesting concept. Like, uh, talk about missing the point and turning this into something that it was never meant to be. Check out, check out that deal with phylactery sometime. Put them on the door frames of your home and, and your gates. Make it part of us. Just like I can tell a lot about the house that somebody lives in, I can tell a lot about somebody who lives in that house by what the house looks like and what's laying around the house. I can know a lot about you and where you came from by the type of person you are. I can tell, you ever meet somebody that you can just tell, oh, that, they're part of such and such family? I always tell the story that we have a family here at church that when you see the guy next to his brothers, you can tell they're all from the same family because it looks like it, uh, the guy's name is Mark that goes to our church. You can tell one of Mark's brothers is around because it looks like somebody took a picture of Mark and just sort of like smudged it with their thumb. Like, it's, it's, just, it's just a little different Mark. Like, but you can totally see when they're together. That's clearly one of Mark's brothers. But how you talk, it's weird. You ever call somebody's house? I, 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 owe, I owe a young man, there's a young man in our church named Reese, and I would call his, mo- uh, his house, talk to his mom, Christina, and on regular occasion, Reese would answer the phone, and I would start talking to Christina because I thought it was her. And here it's Reese. What, what, a, what an encouragement a 12-year-old boy receives when a man in his church thinks he sounds like his mom. Like, I am so glad that I could be, be a part of that. I could tell by, by how you look, how you sound, your values, your likes. My niece, Jaden, refuses to watch football with me. Why? Because she doesn't watch football. Her and dad only ever watch NASCAR, which drives me nuts, but that's all right. This is for everybody listening, but I want to speak. I'm very passionate about what I'm about to talk about, and, um, and so I said, you know, we're on, we're heading into Father's Day here, and and I know not every, every man listening to this is, is a father. I know not every man listening to this is a husband. And what I'm about to say, even though I'm addressing men, is certainly valuable for all of us. So please, ladies, don't feel like you're being ignored. I, I, just, I just really feel strongly about this. And I want to say this. This concept is true for all of us. <clears throat> men, whether you're a father or not, whether you're right now a husband or not, and really other than being a very young man, this applies, what I'm about to say is very important for you to hear. I know a lot of good, good men who desire to see their children, their biological children, or maybe their stepchildren, or maybe just the, the, the people that are behind them in the sense of like people that are younger than them, people here at church who are younger than them. Uh, maybe you would go as far as to use a phrase, their spiritual children. Uh, I don't have any sons and daughters of my own, but I, I certainly have a couple uh, teenagers and 20-somethings that I look at as, as my spiritual children. I want the best for them. I desire to see goodness for them. And here's where I want to end today, and just, just men, hear this. If, if we as men have done 
a good job with either our children or uh, our spiritual children or just the people around us that we're leading. And again, like this goes for anybody, but men, listen. If we have done a good job teaching them to be able to do a skill that we think is important, or, or we have done a good job teaching them to root for our football team because we, that's what we're passionate about, or we've done a good job sharing a hobby with them, or we've done a, a good job teaching them something that will benefit them as they grow and, and, and how to hold a job and how to, how to buy a house and, and all these things, all these very, very good things. If we have done those things, men, but we have not laid in, first and foremost, to love the one true God with all our heart, soul, and mind, if we haven't made that the absolute most necessity thing, we have missed the mark. Some of you men, I'm, I'm talking to you right now, and I love you, and I say this with my hands in the air and peace in my heart, you have done a tremendous job providing for your homes. You have done a tremendous job providing finances for your family. You have provided a safe place for those children, but you have not done a great job providing for them spiritually. And that must change. That must change. It is the most important heirloom that you can pass down. It is more important than the muscle car in the garage. It is more important than the skill that will maybe get them a job. It is more important than the inheritance financially that you perhaps are planning and putting away. It is the most important heirloom you can pass down is a passionate faith in the Lord that loves him with all your heart, soul, and mind and loves others as yourself. Teach the people behind us, to love the Lord your God. Impress it on your children. Talk about it when you stand up, when you sit down. Talk about it uh, around the table. Talk about it in the backyard. Display it in your attitude. Display it in your actions. Whatever you have to do to accomplish that, bind it on yourself. Put it on your forehead and on your hands. Put it on your door frames and on your gates. Let them know what you're about. Don't be a guy who gets late in life and looks at his children or those who are around them. And boy, if you had spent as much time teaching them to love the Lord as you had on the yard, maybe things would be a little different. I challenge you, men. I challenge you. Be bold in your love of Jesus and teach those behind you how to be bold in their love of Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father, we're gonna close with the song, The Blessing, this week. And uh, as Tyler is gonna sing that here in a few moments, uh, we just wanna speak those words over, not just the men, but, but everyone listening to this podcast right now. Father, everyone hearing my voice, would, would, would you just have your hand over them and as we say, Lord, would you bless them and keep them? Would you make your face shine upon them? Be gracious to them? Would you turn your face towards them? And would you give them peace, Lord? I thank you, Lord, for those who have made a, a point of saying, I have seen how the Lord worked and, and spoke through somebody else into my life ahead of me. And now I know I need to do that to those around me.
I want to pray for those folks that you just continue to encourage them and energize them. Father, if there are those of us here who have listened to this, like we can see how I've, I've mixed my priorities up or I've dropped the ball or, or I've, I've, I've missed the mark. Lord, would you, would you allow us to just repent, turn it, turn it to where it needs to go and start going full bore. If forgiveness needs asked, let us ask for forgiveness. If forgiveness needs uh, requested, let us request it. If forgiveness needs offered, let us offer it. If, if change of behavior needs to happen, if change of, of heart and attitude needs to happen, if confession needs to happen, whatever needs to take place, Lord, would you allow us to do that in order to pass the most important heirloom we have, a passionate, intentional faith in Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We ask this all in your name and all God's people said, amen. Bless you, church.
Lord, to 